0: One day, Jesus comes by the toll booth. He sees Matthew sitting there, and he says, Matthew, follow me. Now, you know Jesus didn't mean Twitter, right? He's not saying, follow me on Twitter. Twitter wasn't around. What Jesus meant when a rabbi in Matthew's day came to a disciple and said, follow me, it meant take my teaching and my way of life upon you. Learn of me. Change the way you've been living your life and live life a new way and if you will do that your life will change today 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 with Jeff fines we are taking the gospel to the world pastor apologist and bible teacher one truth that will be delivered in love and compassion connecting every one person to all that god has promised them you
1: make me a Today, today, today with Jeff Vines. Hello, welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. My name is Bill, and we have another great message lined up for you from Pastor Jeff. He's looking at Matthew chapter 7 the wise and foolish builders. But he begins by sharing the story of Matthew the tax collector and his decision to follow Jesus. In the heart of this message, Pastor Jeff reminds us that our daily decisions are important, that we have to make conscious choices to move towards God. Here's Pastor Jeff.
0: your bibles if you would, over to matthew chapter 7 verse 24 and hold that there here's what i want to say to you that i've been trying to say in roundabout ways i think the best way is to come out straight right and it's this man i'm I'm telling you there, there is an entity in the world that wants to just wreak havoc in your life okay now, I know those of you who think you're super intellectual, you struggle with that. 21st century, come on, really? A devil, prince of the power of the air? And I'm trying to tell you all along the way, same Bible that tells you there's a God and that he loves you and he died for you on the cross. That's the same Bible that tells you there's a prince of the power of the air that's out to get you. Now, let me bring this home a little more to you so you know that it's not some kind of eerie, fairy thing. This is actually right where we live. Last night, I was driving home after the service and my daughter was with me. We're driving home and... And I've noticed some patterns in her life and how uncanny it is that they're very similar to mine. Isn't it amazing you hated the way your mom talked to you and now you talk to your daughter the way your mom talked to you. (laughs) I've noticed some patterns and I said, "Sion, I love you, I wanna help you. I wanna tell you right now, you gotta come to a point in your life when you make a decision, you're not gonna be a people pleaser anymore. You're not going to do things just because you think you're going to get approval. You'll never get the self-worth you're looking for from people because they're fickle. And I see her getting stressed at school. She wants to perform. She wants to be a straight A student. And I know why, because I was there. And then I said to her, as we pulled in the driveway, I said, I just want to tell you, I'm so sorry. She goes, why? I said, because I gave that to you. And I said, that's okay, because my mom gave it to me. And her mother gave it to her. You know, the Bible talks about the sins of one generation being passed down. You are what you are and your weaknesses are the weaknesses you have. You have your parents to think. (laughs) It's true. There has to come a point in your life when you recognize that and you recognize that there's an entity that knows what your weakness is and he's just waiting to pounce. And in the right time and the right place, The rains will come down, storms will surround you, you'll get hit from every side. And at that point, you'll know, and everybody around you will know what you're building your life on, what foundation you're building your life on. Now, it is amazing to me that Jesus comes to Matthew, Matthew's at the toll gate, he's he's collecting taxes, and Jesus looks at Matthew and says, follow me. And Matthew says, okay, let's go. Really? I mean, he doesn't ask, where are we going? Uh, What are we going to do when we get there? Is there any money involved? <laughs> Nothing. I want to help you understand what's happening here by asking you five questions, true or false. So you got fifty percent chance of getting them right. Number one, here we go. If I ignore giants in my life, they just get bigger. True or false? Oh yeah, that's right. True. You think if there's a giant problem in your life that if you ignore it, it'll go away? It never does. It just gets bigger and bigger until one day, the floods. Come up, the rains come down and destroy you. That's physically, psychologically, emotionally, whatever it is. Two, a stitch in time saves nine. Now, if you're over 40, you have no idea what that is. You've never heard it. But if you're like us old guys, this originated from the idea that if you've got a hole in your trousers, I mean, the day you pay for a hole in your trousers. So this kind of is, all right. I, okay. There was a time when you didn't want holes in your trousers. Uh, The the same time as cassette tapes and 8-track recorders. And if you got a hole, if you didn't sew it up immediately, it wouldn't go away. It just gets bigger and bigger. So it's best to sew it up while it's little. Otherwise, you're going to have a lot of work to do. Number three, what I do today impacts tomorrow. I guarantee you that we all say yes to this. But when it comes out to living it out, we have trouble. Especially some of you young people. When you're young, you say, how do you know what I think? Because I was young once. I was, believe it or not. I was actually young. And here's what you think when you're young. It really doesn't matter what I do right now. When I get older, I'll change. Let me tell you something about life. Who you are right now is who you're going to be when you're 40, 50, 60. If you're lying now, you're going to be lying then. If you're sexually impure now, chances are you're going to be that when you get older. Oh, yeah. You think, you ch- you think when you get older, you change because you get smarter? No, you just find new creative ways to do the same thing you've been doing. You understand what I do today? Every decision I make impacts tomorrow. Number, it's the harder one here. Golf is the greatest game on the planet. (laughs) True or false? Okay. Does anybody think that's true? Okay. Look, right. Keep your hands raised. Notice the elect of God right there. Okay. Next question. Cats are cute, lovable creatures. Okay, how many people say that that's false? (laughs) Again, the elect of God who've been grafted in. You've been grafted in. Okay, fifth question, last question. Doing nothing results, now think about this. Doing nothing results in something. Oh yeah, yeah, see you're the smartest audience. That's because you got more sleep than everybody else. That's exactly right. There's no such thing as neutrality. When we find Matthew, he's already made two decisions or he's made one rather, he's about to make another one. The first one is he decided somewhere along the line to become a tax collector. Now, can you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up? Anybody? Some of you wanted to be uh, uh, a fireman. Others of you wanted to be maybe a policeman. I'm saying there's some of you probably wanted to play basketball in the NBA. Some of you probably wanted to play baseball, uh, major league baseball. But I say all that to say this. You would have never been a little Jewish boy who decided that when you grow up, you want to be a tax collector. It's not the way it worked. No young Jewish man would have said, oh, or young Jewish boy, I want to be a tax collector when I grow up. No, no way. Tax collectors are not loved and appreciated in our day, but in Israel, they're a whole different story because Rome wanted to suck as many taxes and monies as they could out of occupied territories. So here's how they did it. Rather than having a Roman soldier go door to door and collect taxes, they would look for a trader among Israel and hire him. And here's how it worked. You would bid on it. You'd say, I think I can get a million dollars out of my people for Rome. And they'd say, done, you got the contract. But if he could collect 10 million, he got to keep nine. And that's exactly what they did. The world hasn't changed much, has it? (laughs) And so if you were a tax collector, you were hated, you were despised, not just because you were corrupt, but you were viewed as a traitor to the cause. You had sold your people, your nation out for profit. There's actually a saying in the first century about tax collectors. For tax collectors, repentance is hard. And they said that because repentance in the first century automatically meant recompense. So if you had cheated somebody, you had to find everybody you cheated if you're truly repenting and repay them. And for tax collectors, that's just too hard because there's so many people you cheated, you couldn't possibly find them all. <laughs> When they found an honest tax collector, they actually erected a statue to him. A statue, because they're so rare. How rare are they? Honest tax collectors are as rare as a Laker victory. (laughs) Or, Or as rare as a friendly cat. That's how rare they are. As a matter of fact, if you were a tax collector... You were deprived of political and civil rights. You could not serve as a witness in a court because you're not trustworthy. You couldn't serve as a judge because you couldn't arbitrate between good and wrong, good and bad, because you've already blown it morally. And you were in the same category as a leper, which means you were unclean. So if you touched a tax collector on the way to the temple, you had to go through ceremonial cleansing. Remarkable. What makes it worse is Matthew's in the most despised position as a tax collector. In Matthew chapter 9, we read that when Jesus saw him, that Matthew was sitting at a tax collector's booth. That is a toll booth. Don't you hate toll roads? Don't you feel like the government's getting you twice? Your taxes and you're paying for the road again. Every time you use it, you got to pay for it. He sat at the toll booth and there were caravans that would come down from Egypt through Damascus down on into Capernaum. And they had to pass through this this road, one way in. And Matthew's job was to sit there and collect toll. And there was no sign that said, car's $1, or, you know, camels, 50 cents, Uh, (laughs) wagons, $2, you know, whatever, $3. I don't know what they had back then, Uh, but it was all arbitrary. He got to decide. And if he thought you looked nice and he liked you, he'd charge you maybe 30 denarii. If he didn't like you, he thought, where are you from? You know, you from Tyre and Sidon, up there around the Mediterranean coast. I would charge you two hundred, and you would say, "Why? That's arbitrary." He said, "Do you want to come through or not?" People hated tax. It's not only the Jewish people that hated tax collectors. Everybody hated tax collectors because they spent most of their time trying to come up with a new way to rob you, new schemes to rip good people off. Kind of what the state of California does. (laughs) You know, that's true. Except one day, Jesus comes by the toll booth. He sees Matthew sitting there, and he says, Matthew, follow me. Now, you know Jesus didn't mean Twitter, right? He's are not saying, follow me on Twitter. Uh, Twitter wasn't around. <laughs> what Jesus meant when a rabbi in Matthew's day came to a disciple and said, follow me, it meant, come follow me. Take my yoke upon you. A yoke was the conglomeration of a rabbi's teaching. Take my teaching and my way of life upon you. Learn of me. Change the way you've been living your life and live life a new way. And if you will do that, your life will change. Now, remember, we're in Matthew 9. Who wrote the book of Matthew? Let me give you a hint. Matthew. Scholars believe that he was listening to Jesus for a long time before Jesus ever came to that toll booth. He was probably witness to the Sermon on the Mount material. So the reason Matthew was able to get up and follow is because he didn't need another example of grace. He didn't need another example of mercy. He didn't need another example how no matter how far you are from God, you can come near. Jesus had caused the lame to walk, the blind to see. He even healed somebody's mother-in-law. That must have been difficult to take, but he healed a (laughs) mother-in-law. He had seen him cast out a demon, a hill, a paralytic. He doesn't need more information. He's seen and heard it all. There's only one thing left for him to do now. Pull the trigger. Cowboy up. Get her done. Right? So Matthew's seated at the toll gate, and here comes Jesus. And maybe Matthew's thinking about the last part of the Sermon on the Mount, the conclusion. Maybe he's been thinking about it for a couple of days, where Jesus said, "Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. So you can't just hear; you actually got to do something." So Matthew thinks, "Man, I've got to change." Now think about this. Remember Jesus told the story. Oh man, I'm going to ch- I'm going to check out your literary quotient here. Okay, your ability. Jesus tells a story and he said, you know, you're going to build a house. Everybody's building a house and you're going to build a house and storms are going to come. Rain's come down, floods come up. And then if you have a strong foundation, you're going to endure. If you don't, the fall will occur and great will be the fall. Now, doesn't that sound like another story you've heard before? Come on. Who said that? Because you're right. Say it loud. Three little pigs. That's exactly right. Every character builds a house Every house faces a test. And if you built wisely, the house stands. If you built foolishly, it falls. And all little piggies build a house. And the wolf comes and says, let me in. And they say, not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. Matthew, as he's thinking about the story, not, not the three little pigs story, but he's thinking about what Jesus said about the house builders. It would have dawned on his Jewish mind, two things that I want you to get. And I only have two quick things quickly. Number one, everybody builds a house. Everybody, every decision you make every day of your life is building the house. And 10, 20 years from now, when the wolf comes and he will, and the storms come, everybody's going to know what kind of house you've been building. And you're going to find out what kind of house you've been building. See, there's not a fourth little piggy who says, you know what? I'm not going to build. I'm going to stay outside. <laughs> every little pig, every person builds a house, everybody, every decision you make. You cannot avoid it. I go back to some of you younger people. You think the decisions you make today are not going to impact what happens to you in the future. It has everything to do with the quality and quantity of life you're going to be living. Decisions you make right now. And Jesus comes along and he says to Matthew, Matthew, it's not enough. It's not enough just to hear it. You actually got to pull the trigger. You got to do something. Every relationship you cultivate, every relationship that you cancel out every time you choose a book, every time you refuse a book, every time you choose a movie, every time you refuse a movie, every time you make a commitment, every time you sit idly by and do nothing, every time you choose to forgive, every time you choose to hold a grudge, every time that you pray, every time you don't pray, every time that you choose to invest in your spiritual formation, every time that you do not, every time you choose a career, you choose a friend, you choose a path, every time you're building your foundation and it's going to tell you what your life's going to be like in the future. Every time. When you choose to spend time with God or not, choose to give or not, choose to sacrifice or not, choose to love or not, choose to serve or not, choose to believe or not to believe, choose to fear or to act with great courage, right on down to every time you choose food to eat every day is determining how your life's gonna be in the future. You're building the foundation. There's no such thing as a non-house builder. Every little piggy builds. You're the little piggy. Now, let me tell you how powerful this is. I've learned something from my kids. You cannot build somebody else's house for them. I can pray with my kids. I can read the Bible with my kids. I can point them in paths of righteousness, but I cannot build their house. And there are too many of you parents who are beating yourself up because your kids took a path that is to their detriment. And you need to stop it because you cannot make a choice for them. They have to decide. And you're saying, well, I should have been a perfect parent. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a perfect. Every parent makes some mistakes. Stop beating yourself up. Stop it. They have to make a decision. They have to build their own house. You cannot build it for them. Every. Every, absolutely every decision you make or do not make builds or constructs your life. And it's profound, folks, because that leads to the second thing Matthew would have thought about. The big bad wolf visits everybody, everyone faces a storm. Come on now. If there would have been six houses and three little piggies, wolf would have gone to all six. That's what the wolf does. He's a house destroyer, it's his forte, it's his gift. Destroy the house, and everybody gets to choose. Jesus underscores it in a very powerful way. He says in his story that the rains will come down and the floods will come up. Remember the winds beat against it? it. Is Jesus' language of "There's going to come a time in all your lives that you're going to get hit from every side"? You know, how often do you say, "Man, I can't believe you know when it rains, it pours." <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know, if you if you've ever been through a, a rainstorm in a place like New Zealand. You get hit from every side. The rain's coming down, but it's also bouncing so hard, it's coming up. And the wind blows and it comes out every side. When the big bad wolf visits, you'll remember what Jesus said in John 10. If you live life his way, the abundant life will be yours. And even when the storms of life come, you're gonna be okay. But if you demand to live life your way, And there are some areas of your life that you've refused to give to God. There's no such thing as neutrality. Those areas are giving the evil one a foothold and he moves in to destroy you from the inside out. You with me? The abundant life is yours. Here's the rub though. Here's the problem. Let me illustrate it like this. When our children get caught doing something they should not have done and you talk to them about it, what is their standard answer when you ask them, Son, why did you do that? Three words. I don't know, right? It's like before they were born, they were taken up in some part of heaven and they were told, look, when you get down to planet earth, you're gonna get asked a lot of questions. Stick with the standard answer. I don't know. Just say that, I don't know. Anything beyond that's gonna get you in trouble. And so my son Delaney, when he was a little boy, Delaney, why did you leave your bike under the car? I don't know. Why did you play house with your sister, nominate yourself as the father and give her a spanking? Why did you do that? I don't know. Why did you throw rocks at the new car, Delaney? I don't know. Why did you suck spaghetti noodles up your nose, son? I don't know. Why did you put honey in your sister's hair? I don't know. Why did you pour salt in your sister's Kool-Aid when she wasn't looking? I don't know. I don't know. Standard answer, I don't know. And the problem is, most of us never outgrow it. No kid sets out to do something stupid at the time. It seems like a good idea but he drifts into it. In the same way, I don't know any adult that says, here's some sand, let's build a house. It's something that you drift into. Matthew drifted into being a tax collector. No way you would have wanted to do that as a little Jewish boy. But over time, he kept making choices that were easy and he found himself drifting into this and he knew to change would require too much effort. He became addicted to money along the way, so he came to the point where he didn't care who was hurting. Over time, his heart became hardened The suffering of his people just didn't seem to bother him. He chose the path of self-aggrandizement, the path of least resistance, not understanding ultimately where it would lead him. Nobody in this life that I've ever met that's in my office for counseling or whatever, no one says, I hope that I can have a mediocre life when I grow up. That's what I'm after. I hope that I can make some bad decisions right now that will lead to destruction in my life. That's what I want to do. I don't mean somebody that says, you know I want to walk down the aisle and get married and divorce three years later. Nobody says that. I hope that I can nurse this grudge so that I can become a bitter and angry person and nobody will like me. Or, or I've never met anybody that said, you know, I hope that if I click on this website, I'll become addicted to pornography and it will ruin my opportunity of relationship in the future. Nobody says, you know, I think I'm going to smoke pot and then move on to more advanced drugs so that I'll become addicted and end up in a hospital. (laughs) You don't say that. What Jesus is doing in this, it's not so much telling you that there's a wrong foundation and a right one as it is the cavalier attitude with which most of us approach our lives. We think our, our daily decisions will not affect what happens tomorrow. Jesus is saying, you're so wrong. You've got to be intentional about this. It's not enough to receive information. Knowledge is not enough. Choices are important. You've got to act on what you actually hear. And I think, man, I think... How many of you really hear something and you do more than say, man, I enjoyed that, but that's it, that's it. Jesus says, look, this is not a nice little talk I'm giving you. You gotta do something with the knowledge I'm giving you. You gotta actually build into your marriage or you'll stray. You gotta build into your kids or they'll stray. You gotta decide that you're gonna be a person of honesty and integrity because the way of the world does not move toward God. it moves away from him. So if you do nothing, that's doing something
1: you've been listening to today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for joining us. next time we'll bring you the rest of this message from Pastor Jeff.
0: If you live life his way, the abundant life will be yours, and even when the storms of life come you'll be okay. But if you demand to live life your way, those areas are giving the evil one a foothold and He moves in to destroy you from the inside out. You with me? The abundant life is yours. Here's the rub though. Here's the problem. Stay with me now, here's the problem.
1: You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts.